You are listening to a little bonus episode of the Flux Pod. My name is Matthew Perpetua. I'm just giving you a teaser in this bit of a, a much larger episode that is available to Patreon subscribers. Uh, Patreon.com slash Flux blog. Sorry. I've only been doing the site for 19 years. I don't know how to say it out loud. Um, anyway, um, you're about to hear a little portion of a much larger bit that is split over two episodes so the first one is out this weekend and the next weekend will be part two of me and rob sheffield uh playing a game in which i take two albums that are back to back on the new rolling stone top 500 albums of all time and have rob riff on What's what kind of connects these two things? And uh, no one can do this better than Rob. Uh, it's kind of playing to his superpower of uh, finding the connections and things. And in this little bit, you hear him riff on Destiny's Child and Van Halen, who are uh, incredibly similar, as it turns out. Um, yeah, so if you want to hear the full episode featuring uh, much more, if you want to hear lots of uh, you know lots of cool episodes that won't be available through regular feeds, uh, Patreon.com/fluxblog. It is five dollars a month. You will get uh, at least four episodes per month that are not available over the stream. So uh, let's do it. Let's listen to the show. Uh, okay, let's 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 shift gear. Let's do. Let's see what we got here. Um, this this is this feels right for today. Number two ninety one, Destiny's Child, Writings in the Wall. Two ninety two, Van Halen, self titled. Uh, we're recording this on the on the day it was announced that uh, Eddie Van Halen has died. Yeah. Um. Those, well, those are both very uh, very much sort of uh, records that change the sound of pop music, certainly in terms of uh, a new group with a, a sound that sounds just fundamentally, technically, sonically wrong to people. It sounds alien to people, not human to people. Uh, See, I can't tell which one you're talking about right there. Right? I mean, both of them. Um, that for the writing on the wall, that's a record where, you know, certainly in a, in a very vocal-oriented decade like the 90s, which had all these big singers, big voices, um, that record sounded weird to people in 1999. It came out in early 99. Um, it's a, like the weird sort of electro-twitchy robotic sound of the vocals that everything is like these hiccuped syllables. Yeah, uh, super syncopated. Yes. Uh, very sort of, you know, alienating for people who are just a few years older, like, you know, Tony Braxton fans or Whitney Houston fans, they were like, what is that? This isn't singing. This isn't even, this isn't R and B. This is, this isn't even pop. What, what is it? This weirdly affected staccato sort of synced up uh, robot vocal approach, um, that, you know, was hugely influential and now sounds brilliant, but it's a record that sonically was futuristic in a way that, 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 that people needed to keep up with, but, 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 but it changed the way that, um, the people heard music very much the same way that a, a record like the first Van Halen record, which sounded, you know, <laughs> definitely, it didn't sound like any other seventies rock in terms of, um, you know, like you just drop the needle on, on eruption. And this isn't, you know, the, this isn't the laid back 
70s rock record, but it isn't a hard 70s rock album either. Like the the weird sort of uh, the, the the technical busyness of this space and and uh, and and that obsession to detail. It's a record that sounded very spacey to people. Uh, a lot of people at the time like assumed that there was some kind of keyboard involved. It was a record that people thought of as synthy, even though you know there weren't synthesizers on the record, there weren't keyboards on the record. Um, Not for like five year, five records later. Yeah, it, it, it's a record that sounded alien. I, I think it's safe to say that both the Destiny's Child record and the Van Halen record sounded alien and futuristic and robotic and and forbidding to people in a way that was really divisive at the time, but very very quickly. Um, albums that taught people how to hear them. So you only have to live with the Destiny's Child record for a little while before it taught you how to hear what they were doing musically. And Van Halen the same way. They were they were a mainstream rock a- act by the end of the 70s, but they sounded so alien and weird and wrong uh, to, to people at the time. I was thinking about this uh, in the aftermath of finding out that uh, Eddie passed away. Um, that, from my perspective, because by the time you know I am like conscious of music, the his influence had so saturated rock music that it was just like his aesthetic had become a default and it did not sound strange or weird to me. It just sounded like this is what rock music is like, you know, between the Van Halen records, all the, all the bands that they influenced and uh, you know, as thing like him being on beat it, this was just what normal guitar solos sounded like to me. Um, so like, eventually developing the context to realize that, you know, he had completely changed the game. Uh, it, that was not apparent like when you're on the other side of someone like completely shifting a paradigm like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was a, I was a little kid when, when the first Van Halen record came out, but uh, I was definitely like aware of the before and after um, and and hearing songs. and, And when that was the only Van Halen record, hearing songs like running with the devil or eruption into you really got me on the radio was it it sounded you know like it was outer from outer space. Uh, Running with the devil was the first one I heard, and it, it was completely bizarre to hear that and to think that that was being done with the guitar because it sounded. I mean, it very much reminded me a little kid listening at the time. It reminded me of Donna Summer, and in particular, a song like "I Feel Love," which was a song that was so scary and and forbidding and alien sounding. You know, like there's no instruments on that record. It's just this incredibly intense rhythm that's built up that's a very artificial sounding synth. It, it's it's not the kind of 70s synths that are trying to sound like 
instruments. Giorgio Moroder is trying to sound like an evil robot army that's that's trying to take over. And Donna Summer sounds like a singer who's human, who's trying to communicate with those robots. But it's a very uh, alien, very scary and intense. I mean, I Feel Love is, is a record that sounded futuristic at the time. It still kind of sounds futuristic. And uh, the Van Halen record, which came out just a few months after I Feel Love, that's that's a record that had that same kind of, you know, why are they doing this? Why would somebody go to so much trouble to make such incredibly alien sounding music? But that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's the way that record hit at the time for me as a little kid listening, but that's also how Destiny's Child hit at the time. It was really weird, especially if you'd heard the first Destiny's Child record where they're doing much more conventional R&B singing. The writing on the wall at first sounded like, why are they singing in this really stuttery, staccato, hiccupy way when, you know, when we know that they can sing in a more sort of Tony Braxtonish way? So I sort of had that '90s mentality of, wouldn't anybody want to sing like Tony Braxton if they could? You know, like, and and we also know now that Beyonce absolutely can do that. Absolutely, yes. If she wanted to make that record, she could have. She just wanted to do something else. I don't know if you saw the the, the Lemonade tour where uh, Prince had just died. So she's she's starting to do her Prince tribute. And of all the- What was her Prince tribute? Literally, of all the songs, she chooses um, the beautiful ones. Yes. Oh, that's perfect. Okay, yeah, okay. that's absolutely it's perfect, perfect choice for But her. also, it's an impossible song to sing. And she starts doing this, and I'm in, you know, Shea Stadium, whatever it's called now. You know, I'm Met I'm in the life now? I'm in the gigantic cavern where the Mets play. It's not MetLife, but it's it's literally a stadium. There's eighty thousand people. Yes. But also she begins singing it and your stomach is sort of like, oh man, she could have picked a lot easier song to sing. This song is absolutely impossible. This is a song that, you know, and also it's a song that goes on for a long time, and it's not a song that you can end early. It's not a song where you could do a couple of verses and choruses and say, thank you very much. Everything's leading up to that big climax. Yes. Every, that's that's the song. Leading to that undoable climax. And that she begins this, It's it was shocking that she began it, but also it's a thing of like, you know, you you start to you start to sing that song. You have to sing that song. You have to sing it all the way through. That song has a beginning, middle, and end. And you can't just, you know... You know, you can't just fade in and out of it the way that you could with, you know, with a lot of other Prince songs that people would have responded to in a positive way. And and she's choosing this, you know, you hate to say it's a deep cut. It's a very famous song on Purple Rain, but it's not like it was a top 10 hit. It's not like it was a single at all. And Beyonce, like, going down the road of singing The Beautiful Ones in front of 80,000 people, a just shocking feat of athleticism that even thinking about it now, four years later, I'm like... How did she even do that? Even, 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 like, why would you even begin doing that song for all the potential of things that could go wrong? You know, like, also, you know, this is her tour. She's setting aside, you know, nearly 10 minutes to sing this song. It's, it's not just a Prince tribute. She's setting aside a block of this tour. You know, the clock is ticking. A lot of, a lot of, you know, a, a lot is depending on the showmanship of this moment. And it all comes down to her as a singer. She has like 40 hits that she could be playing. Yes, absolutely. A lot, you know, almost all of which are easier to sing than, 
you know, and, and also more excerptable or compressible. You know, you can't do a three or four or five minute even version of The Beautiful Ones. You have to go all the way down that road, all the way into that story. And that was, you know, a shocking feat of athleticism. But it's funny to think of that. And, you know, she was capable of singing like that, but she chose to make a record like The Writings on the Wall, knowing it was ahead of the time. It, you know, that's just... I mean, the astonishing brilliance of Destiny's Child, even if she'd gone no further than that. But that was, you know, the writing on the wall in Van Halen, very much for me linked in terms of records that had to teach people how to hear them, but absolutely did that to the point where a few months later, they defined a new mainstream of pop music and everybody was imitating them. Taking me places I ain't never been But now you're getting comfortable Ain't doing those things you did no more You're slowly making me pay for things Your money should be handling And now you ask to use my car Drive it all day and don't fill up the tank And you have the audacity to even come and step to me Ask to hold some money from me Until you get your check next week You're trifling Good for nothing type of brother Silly me, why haven't I found another? A baller, when times get hard, need someone to help me out Instead of a scrub like you who don't know what a man's about Can you pay my bills? Can you pay my telephone bills? Can you pay my Let's switch it up. Uh, here, here's a pairing of one thing that I know you love dearly and I'm sure was quite high on your ballot and something I don't think was on your ballot. So 161, uh, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, self-titled, and 162, Pulp, Different Class. Wow. One of my favorite albums of all time and one of my least favorite albums of all time. Cause all this has just gone 